How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Hey, what's up, New Orleans? What's up across the Gulf South? And to you listening across the world at www.com and the radio.com app. Saints training camp continues. NFL training camp continues. And now we're into it. We really are. We're about a week in. Pads are on. Players are getting cut. It really does feel like the NFL season now. Welcome on into the show. We're here with you until 11 o'clock tonight. Got a lot of Saints to talk about. They release a wide receiver. Also, one of their offensive linemen, rookie offensive linemen, saying he's willing to give his life to protect Drew Brees. Always hear superlatives from offensive linemen all the time. This one was one of the better ones that I have heard. Also on the program tonight, Mike Neighbors, who covers the NFL and the Saints for CST, Ricardo LeCompte of WWL-TV Channel 4, and our friend Brian Baldinger, Radio.com Sports Insider. Baldy's breakdowns are the best on Twitter, at BaldyNFL. He'll be on the program. Plus, I had a conversation with Zach Streif, a little nitty and nerdy about offensive line play. I loved that conversation. We're going to play that for you. And Deuce McAllister and I had a chance to sit down with defensive line coach Ryan Nielsen. So that's all on the program tonight. Plus, uh, yours truly reviews Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, spoiler free. Got to see that last night. Went out to Broad Theater last night. It was pretty cool with a friend of mine. And when I was there, I ran into Sharif Fryshak, uh, Fletcher Mackle, Kevin Allman of the Gambit. I guess it was media night there. It was kind of cool. So we all just ended up kind of sitting in the same road watching the movie. It was it was a lot of fun. So we'll break that down a little bit and where I think that might rank on the hierarchy of Tarantino films. There's a bunch of them. That was his ninth, ninth official one anyways. He's been involved in a few more than that. Phone lines open for you this first hour. I try to do that every show. And today, yeah, they're open until about 8.35. So 504-260-1870 if you want to hop on in. Text line is 870-870. The big news today out at Saints camp was the release of wide receiver Cameron Meredith. So Meredith is there no longer, just kind of like I predicted after talking to, frankly, too many people who had ends to the organization and how they felt about Meredith over the last two to three weeks. I predicted that in my preseason article that I wrote about who might be cut, who might be some of the surprise guys to make the 53-man roster. And I, I said, it sounds like to me Meredith is not going to be here very long. And indeed, he was not. He was released earlier today, just couldn't really get healthy and stay healthy. Although, as Bobby Aber pointed out today, he had a very good point with this, the Saints, once they finally got film on him, they, they could show, hey, he's running around, he looks pretty healthy. That's when they can release him because you don't have to um, release him with the injury designation. So they saved themselves a little bit of money there. No surprise Cam Meredith is gone. Disappointing from an organizational perspective is so much potential when he was signed last year. We saw what he did with the Chicago Bears before he injured the knee. Looked like one of the breakout stars at receiver in the NFL, but injuries like that can really derail a wide receiver's career, and that's exactly what happened here. Sean Payton talked about Cameron Meredith's release, and here's Sean on why they parted ways with the wide receiver. 
It would have been hard for him to catch the younger guys when he's competing. Saints training camp sound today, by the way, brought to you by the sound baking of First American Bank, of making tradition since 1910. We've got a lot of it for you sprinkled throughout the show. It is positive. If I'm going to try to spin this positively, I'm going to take a glass half full look at this, an optimistic look at this. Well, they, they were able to cut Meredith pretty confidently considering how Emmanuel Butler's been playing, how Cyril Grayson is getting open downfield. And even today, I asked multiple people about this, finally, little Jordan Humphrey, the much-discussed wide receiver out of Texas, and mainly he's been much-discussed because he's from Texas, whereas Emmanuel Butler, for example, is from northern Arizona, northern Arizona. But even little Jordan Humphrey looking pretty good today. So they have depth. They have a lot of youth at that spot, and it's going to be very intriguing to watch this battle play out at wide receiver. Michael Thomas, Ted Ginn, Traquan Smith, your three locks. You would think Keith Kirkwood is there, considering he was a contributor last year. It'd be highly surprising to see him left off. So if you count him, that's four. I don't think Austin Carr is a lock to make this team. I think he's in a battle with Emmanuel Butler and Cyril Grayson and little Jordan Humphrey. Sure, Carr has the edge, no doubt about it, considering his familiarity with the offense and Drew Brees and the other receivers. But this is a battle. The Saints are not going to carry seven wide receivers to start the season. They might carry five plus a return guy, or a guy can contribute a lot in special teams, but you're not going to see them carry six, seven receivers. They just don't do that. Not on the active roster anyways. Some of these guys likely headed to the practice squad if they clear waivers. Let's go to the phone lines again, 504-260-1870. Gary in Lakeview going to kick it off for us tonight. Gary, how you doing? Hey, how you doing, Seth? Um, I'm calling in. I call in once a year at the slowest time of the sports season to bring up a trivial um, statistic that T-Bob and I, once a year we get together and we try to talk about. All right, so what the record is that hasn't been kept okay. is what is the longest sustained drive in NFL history that resulted in a punt? That resulted in a punt. That's a great question. I would imagine it's a lot because you have penalty yards. So I don't know this, but I'm just going to take a wild leaping guess here. I'm going to say after penalty, 90 yards after penalty, something like that. No, no, no. How many plays? Oh, how what many was plays? sustained drive before and, and resulted in a punt? How many okay, plays? okay, plays. I'm going to go – I'll go 16 plays. <laughs> All right. Well, what Auntie Bob and I found out that there was no one keeping uh, track of these vital statistics. So I went ahead and took it on myself. And it was actually two years ago, so we've only been keeping records for about five years. But it was 13 plays, and it was uh, San Francisco, and they were just being beaten terribly. And for some reason, they, they were close enough for a field goal. But I think they were beaten so bad, they just decided to punt. So the record <laughs> as of today in 2019 is 13 plays. Okay, Gary. I wanted to let you know that. All right, Gary. Well, I, yeah, I appreciate the call. There you go. Gary in Lakeview leading us off with some trivia. I know that, that you can get really long drives, plays, and yards-wise because of the penalties. For example, uh, let's say you have a 20-yard pass downfield, and then after the first down, you get some kind of unnecessary roughness call. That backs you up 15 yards, and then you got to do it again. So, yeah, they, they, you can get some really odd statistics like that. That's good stuff, though, Gary. I like it. Let's go ahead and take our first break of the show. When we come back, Eric McCoy is going to come on in focus, the Saints rookie center, as he stepped up to the podium. Really bright 
uh, knowledgeable guy. You could just tell that with the way that he spoke. Very humble also. And it'll be his job, you would think. He's the front runner for that job anyways, to protect Drew Brees right in the center of that offensive line. Seth Dunlap, it's Ron and Logan behind the glass tonight. A dual producer show, our Blue Runner Gubbo opinion poll online at WWL.com, radio.com app. Should the Saints look to sign or trade for a veteran receiver, especially now that Cameron Meredith is gone? Cash your vote there. We'll keep you updated throughout the show. The last lap coming right on back here on WWL. Hey, that's for Bobby Bear. Little stepping out, steel pulse. Turn me on to this day. He was wearing a, a steel pulse t-shirt and got dread on the front and had uh, kind of a silhouette. One of the leak seniors on the back and was talking to Bobby about it quite a bit. I liked it. I was listening to it all the way on my drive back from Saints camp, about 20, 25 minute drive back to my place. It was great. Put it in my beach mix. And, yeah, I got a Marley feel. After Marley, though, he was telling me late 80s, early 90s. I guess I played Jazz Fest a couple of years ago. So, Bobby, tip of the cap to you. Uh, you and me, kind of musical brothers. I think we've talked about it before. I like a lot of the same stuff. Mike Neighbors going to come up in 10 minutes on the show. Covers the Saints for the NFL and CST. We'll get his perspective on Saints camp. Also, the phone lines are open. 504-260-1870. Text line is 870-870. Here's a text from the 504. What about Rashard Matthews? I've heard a lot about Rashard Matthews out at camp. I don't think he's separating and not literally separating himself from defenders. I don't, mean, I mean, I don't think he's separating himself from his um, teammates. And his competitors are the position like, say, an Emmanuel Butler is, who keeps making plays. Had another one today. Uh, we see Cyril Grayson making a couple of big catches, although the intermediate and short routes, the actual route running, leaves a lot to be desired there. We always knew Cyril Grayson was going to be a project. So Rashad Matthews is in the mix here. There's no doubt about it. And if I forgot to mention him in segment one, good for correcting me there because he certainly will be in the mix. Here's a text from the 985. Who does the Saints have to worry about in the NFC? Last year, I thought it was the Rams in parentheses, and I was correct. But who this year? I'd have to say the only Dirty Birds. Is the Dirty Birds better than the Rams this year or some other team that's a sleeper? This is Brian D. from Mandeville. Thanks again, sir. Um, well, it sounds like you've been listening to the show because – and this, I reserve the right to change this depending on injuries, depending on what I see in preseason. But right now, the Rams – frankly scare me a lot excuse me the, the Falcons scare me a lot more than the Rams do the Falcons with those defenders healthy again with a rebuilt offensive line in front of Matt Ryan and all those weapons including Julio Jones who's in a contract here at least right now because he hasn't signed an extension yet all those factors yeah <laughs> the Falcons worry me and the Falcons are playing with that what third place schedule so if you're not worried about the Falcons, I think you're letting your hate get in the way of objectivity. I think the Falcons are a threat, not just in the division, but in the NFC. I was talking to some people this week uh, on the show, I guess last week on the show, and I'm saying, yeah, they're, they're the team that worries me the most probably in the NFC right now. And maybe that is letting uh, the Falcons get away in my objectivity, considering we see them twice down here in New Orleans. But I think they're going to be a threat. I'd be surprised. Let me just put it this way. I'd be surprised if the Falcons are not in the playoffs at the end of the season. I think they're that good. I think they're better, frankly, on both sides of the football than Carolina, especially if they can stay healthy. And in the NFC, is so deep. We're going to talk to Brian Baldinger about this, top to bottom of the NFC. It's so deep. Think about the NFC from the opposite perspective, not the teams at the top, but the teams at the bottom. 
who can you really say is bad in the NFC? Who can you legitimately say is going to be a bad football team in the NFC? Arizona? Okay. Maybe the Giants? Okay, I'll give you that because they haven't been good the last three or four years. Seems to be a little dumpster fire up there. Washington? Okay. That's three. It's three teams. You think Tampa's going to be a bad football team under Bruce Arians? Might not be a playoff team. I don't think I'm going to call a Bruce Arians team, especially with Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator. They're reunited. I don't think you can project them to be a bad football team. Detroit, now that they've signed Mike Daniels, they've got talent all over that defense, and Matt Patricia has got his squad on that side of the football. I don't think they're going to be a bad football team. I mean, that's it. You're looking at three teams in the NFC out of 16 you can legitimately classify as bad so when i talked to brian baldinger a little bit later in the show i'm gonna ask him you know is this as stacked a conference as it was last year last couple of years i think it is i really think it is eric mccoy was up at the podium today the saints rookie center i wrote a piece i wrote a story online at wwl.com you can see it now just released about an hour ago at saints rookie center eric mccoy is well, he said he's ready to give his life to protect Drew Brees. We'll get to that in a second. Always superlatives here from the offensive lineman. This was one of the better ones that I've heard. But McCoy, very, um, not necessarily expansive in his press conference, but very, um, very humble. Even apologized for stepping on, I think it was Ed Daniels' question. Sorry, sir, didn't mean to cut you off there. (laughs) Really cool to see him up at the podium. Uh, Very composed, very mature for his age. Bobby Abreu was asking him a bunch of stuff. Bobby was standing right next to him, right now to his right, kind of stage left. Was asking him about you know the differences between Texas A and M when they played out of the shotgun and that big time spread offense, formerly under Sumlin and now under Jimbo Fisher. A little more under Sumlin, but even under Jimbo last year when Eric McCoy was that starting center. They were out of the shotgun 80% of the time. Now, the Saints do use the shotgun quite a bit, but they're much more balanced. They're not going out of the shotgun 80% of the time. Sometimes that can be an issue for a center coming into the National Football League. That specific change from the college to pro game can hamper centers' adjustments to the league. I'll tell you this, Eric McCoy, he says that he was not necessarily concerned about that, but his eyes were wide open on that aspect, that he's going to have to work on his technique in fact and we have the sound for this guys hopefully uh, eric mccoy talked about that technique is what he's working on the most right now i'll tell you this he's going up against some great defensive linemen although he's not going to be matched up against cam or marcus davenport unless they're stunting inside or something like that but even then usually it's the guard's responsibility to pick those guys up depending on the production but there's some pretty good interior defenders for the saints too especially if andy mata's on the inside trying to get the pass rush now, Breeze is behind him. Drew's 40 years old. Know that. Sometimes you use that in a negative on Drew. One of the great things about this is he's seen everything before in the NFL, and he's able to help these newcomer centers that he's going to have to play with. Did it with Max Unger. That, and, and it was a little different with Max, obviously. He was an all-pro guy in Seattle, so when he came here, established that was different. He's had to play with Cameron Tom at times. Cameron Tom's certainly not the experienced guy, Drew was able to help him out. It was pretty seamless there when Cameron Tom had to step in. So Breeze helping McCoy out. I asked actually McCoy that during his press conference today, and he answered in the inferno. Yeah, yeah, Breeze has helped me out a little bit here. McCoy on Breeze, guys. And, of course, the money quote here, yeah, he's willing to give his life uh, for Drew Breeze. Here's that quote. 
Uh, give, give your life for the guy. Saints fans will love to hear that. If you want to see the full uh, post-practice press conference with Eric McCoy, you can find it online at WWL.com and the Radio.com app. You can also find my column up, my story up on him, ready to give his life to protect Drew Brees. Obviously hyperbolic there. There's no doubt about it. But that's saying the right stuff. That's being coached to say the right things uh, in your kind of first big-time press conference appearance at training camp. Phone lines are wide open for you, 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. Today's player of the game, uh, player of the day, rather, is going to be, yeah, it's going to be Eric McCoy. Who's going places? Eric McCoy, brought to you by Toyota Dealers. Let's go places. Here's a text from the 985 at 870 A team slogan, leave no doubt. Thank the voice of the defensive coordinator from Remember the Titans movie when he got the refs to stop being racist and throwing the game. That's a great speech and great similarity to what happened to the NOLA no call, no motto. A great motto, pardon me. I Well, look, that's a movie. This is real life. I just, and everybody tells me, I asked Deuce this yesterday when we were hosting the show from 3 to 6 p.m. here on Sunday. I said, Deuce, are these coaches, are these players really never thinking about how the last two postseasons have ended? The meltdown, I refuse to call it a miracle, the meltdown in Minneapolis and then the no-call last year. Deuce told me, no, they'll think about it once their career's done. No, they're not thinking about it. I will say yesterday, if you're on Twitter, you probably saw this. We had a a video that just went viral on the last five postseason exits for the Saints and how heartbreaking they have been. Now, I believe this was posted by a Saints hater, but look, the truth stings sometimes. All he was posting there was the truth. He just had a video montage of how each of the last five postseasons for the Saints have ended. And it, it, it brought straight into focus to me how crushing this decade has been in the postseason for New Orleans. Five years ago, or five postseasons ago, I should say, it was the Beast Mode run by Marshawn Lynch. Beast Quake run, that is. Next time, four postseasons ago, yeah, San Francisco, Vernon Davis, Alex Smith, into that game. I remember basically destroying my dashboard in my truck. <laughs> Because I was so frustrated. I was I was refereeing high school football at the time. I wasn't doing the night show, so I had a little more time at night. I was doing high school basketball, actually, at that time. I remember I stayed in my truck listening to the end of that game right before I went in, and I just it was, it was crushing. I couldn't even focus on refereeing that game. Then you had Seattle in 2013 when Seattle won the Super Bowl, and the Saints got as close as anybody to beating the Seahawks. Had that lateral pass it was a colston across the field couldn't do it lost by eight points then of course after three seven or nine seasons the saints back well it's that meltdown in minneapolis and then last year the nolan o'call you would have a very hard time finding a stretch of five playoff appearances that ended as disastrously as the last five had for the new orleans saints it's crushing 504-260-1870. Our text line's 870-870. Mike Neighbors coming up next on the show. Covers the Saints for the NFL and CST. We'll talk Saints camp. Text from the 504 disagreeing with me on just how big of a threat the Falcons might be. Man, Seth Dunlap, the New Orleans Saints, going to pluck them dirty birds. They might. They might. But I think you're burying your head in the sand a little bit if you don't think... Atlanta's going to be pretty darn good this year, especially with that defense finally healthy. Let's bring on in Mike Neighbors now to the program. Covers the Saints for the NFL 
and, excuse me, and the NFL for CST, at Mike Neighbors on Twitter, N-A-B-O-R-S. Mike, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Seth, it seems like 10 years ago when I saw you in minicamp. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> it doesn't. It does seem like that. It, it, it goes fast, but then you for, I forget about it all. It, it just runs all together for me, man. I don't really know. It's a blur. Doing. It's a blur. But it's, a, it's good to be back in football season, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I, I want to start with, with at least similar to what that texture was talking about, because you have a great perspective on the NFC South, considering you cover a lot of the Tampa Bay Bucks where you're at. Is this division possibly as good as it ever been? Because I don't think there's a, a – objectively bad team in this division. I don't even think Tampa is going to be bad with Arians and Bulls running the show there. Yeah, I mean, for comparison, I mean, you give all the credit in the world to the Patriots, but Tom Brady and, and Bill Belichick, they haven't had a division like the NFC South. I mean, they've, they've run away from it. And granted, they, they, they run away from everybody at the end most of the time. But I think at the end of the day, I mean, this you can make a case the NFC South is the best. I think – you know, there, there are more question marks, I think, heading into this season than in past seasons with the NFC South. I mean, is Cam Newton going to be 100%? The Buccaneers up and down. I mean, you could really put a question mark on every segment of that football team, but they have Bruce Arians, and they haven't had a coach with that cachet in some time. So I think if Cam Newton can stay healthy and Bruce Arians can turn the Bucks around, there's no doubt about it. The NFC South will be the best division. Yeah, that's a scary thought for the Saints and really everybody else in the NFC South if they get that rolling there like they did in, in Arizona, right? And, and Mike, I, I just I will say, and I've been telling people here this, it's not just Arians for me, it's also Todd Bowles because what he did with that Arizona defense almost instantaneously, and really up in New, in New York, for as disastrous maybe as his regime was, as his head coach, as Rain was, their defenses were darn good. I mean, this is one of the best, brightest defensive minds in the league, I think. Yeah, and I think a big knock on Dirk Cutter and his regime is they didn't draft uh, well, and they didn't. Uh, if, if they did draft a Vita Vea, he's he's fit for really the bowl system, the three-four. He wasn't fit for the four-three. Vernon Hargraves is a press corner. They had him playing out a little bit. I mean, they didn't use their personnel well. I think Todd Bowles and, and Bruce Arians they came in and they had more of a plan, and they said this is the way we're going to draft. I mean, the Bucks a year ago drafted two corners in the second round. Well, they drafted four more corners this time around because I don't think they were happy with the corners they drafted the year before. <laughs> and that's the difference between a, a team like the Saints and the Bucks is you have bad drafts after a while. You're going to have uh, – they're, they're, I mean, they're heading into Cleveland Browns territory in Tampa in terms of playoff droughts. And, and when you draft bad like that and you whiff on free agency and you have a new coach every other year, that's what happens. But uh, it'll really show how good Bruce Arians is if he can turn – the Bucks around because, like I mentioned, there, there's so many question marks on both sides of the football. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch that play out. Here in New Orleans, Mike, the, the news of the day was the release of Cameron Meredith. A lot of us saw this coming with the rumbles coming out of Saints camp that they were kind of ready to move on, and indeed they were. Um, how big is this? And with the receivers who at camp, the young guys, Emmanuel Butler, Cyril Grayson, are stepping up, is it that big of a deal? You know what? I think it's a shame because I think it was a good pickup if he was healthy. I mean, we saw it. I think he scored that touchdown, had a good game against the Falcons last year, and it looked like he was going to turn the corner a little bit, but he just couldn't stay healthy. And I think they tried to hang in there as long as they could. And I tell you, you know, the way the Saints have drafted and the way they've made personnel moves the last three years, I'm really not going to argue with much. I mean, they've, they've pushed all the right buttons, but, you know, Butler's look good. But I think Traquan Smith is a guy that I'm really interested in. I think he showed potential early on last season, kind of hit that rookie wall, was banged up a little bit. Uh, I do a podcast with Scott Shanley called Been There, Done That, and we had Marcus Colston on, and Colston never, you know, is not going to just say anything to throw it out there. You know how he is. 
And he thinks Traquan Smith has loads of potential. He he told us that a few months ago. So he's the kind of the guy that I'm I'm looking at because you, you want Ted Ginn to stay healthy. You love Jared Cook being in there. But obviously, Michael Thomas, uh, once they sign him, is going to need some help. And I think they've been very careful, and they've given Meredith all the chances they could. But, you know, we'll see on Butler. But I think Traquan Smith is the, the kind of interesting X factor for me. Yeah, Michael Thomas still not in camp. You mentioned him, yeah. Mike. You expect him here sooner or later. I would assume that he's here eventually. I just don't know exactly when that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I really do. I mean, I remember, you know, with you at minicamp asking, asking Sean Payton just uh, – a question about Michael Thomas. And it was the same day they signed Cam Jordan. And Sean Payton really doesn't let us behind the curtain much, especially yeah. with injuries and a lot. You know how he is. And uh, he, he just threw it out there. He said, well, he's next, meaning Michael Thomas is going to get the next deal. I mean, they saw this thing coming a mile away. And it, it seems like, you know, if you hear, listen to Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton, they just got to get the right number and, and, and meet at a, a place they're both happy. And I think it'll definitely get done. I think they've seen this coming for a long time, and uh, they know they can't uh, reach the heights they want to. And, you know, Drew Brees still has this small window. they got to make it happen with Michael Thomas. And you know, we talk about the Traquan Smith and Ted Ginn being injured and Cam Meredith not making the field. I think that just shows how great Michael Thomas was a year ago. I mean, you can look at all the great receivers in the NFL – they all had more help than Michael Thomas, and Michael Thomas still put the numbers up. They know how valuable he is. We're talking to Mike Neighbors, who covers the Saints and NFL for CST, also host of the Been There, Done That podcast. He's on Twitter at Mike Neighbors. And I, I, I talked to Mickey Loomis about this a little bit. I think it's so interesting to watch how the Saints handle this thing, Mike, considering what you just said, Super Bowl window. They've got to win now or try to win now while Drew Brees is still there, but you don't really want to mortgage the future too much considering how much young talent you have on the squad. Yeah, that's the tricky part. And, you know, they wasted no time in, in really locking up Cam Jordan. And, um, and and I think they know on the horizon, you have the Alvin Kamaras, you have the Marshawn Lattimores, you have the Ramchicks, you have that great rookie class. They're going to want to get paid too. So you got to be smart. But I, I, I just don't have any worries about this one. I think they're going to make it happen. I think they've seen this coming for a long time. And um, But, the, yeah, you're right. they got to be careful because they've been in, you know, tough cap situations uh, and there's three straight seven and nine years. And I know they've learned from that. They don't want to go back to that. But they've benefited from these great draft classes. And to keep this young core intact, uh, there's a trade-off. you got to pay them. Um, but I think they, they've kind of seen this coming for a little while, especially with the, the success this young football team's had the last couple of years. When you see the defense dominating at practice, and <laughs> that's what's happened the last three days, that, that good, that bad, that indifferent, what do you make of that? I just think it's normal. I just think that's the way it is. I think, uh, you know, Bruce Arians said something kind of interesting, and I've heard some other offensive-minded coaches say this, that the offense usually has more to worry about early on in training camp in terms of, uh, you know, protections and, and new plays and kind of the evolving of the offense. And that may be more so in Tampa because they're trying to get a new system in. Obviously, uh, Drew Brees is, is comfortable with what he's doing, but he's working with some new guys like Jared Cook, who's obviously looked great out there. But uh, I'm not surprised by that. I think in this social media age, and I'm guilty of it too, when I'm out of practice, you're going to tweet about a good play. You're going to tweet about you know, any, any little thing at training camp. But it's easy to get too high or too low at this point. I think you, know, you really want to evaluate after you've seen a couple of preseason games and, and a couple of weeks of practice. Well, you would be a, a great uh, batting practice pitcher because you lined this one up right down the middle for me, Mike. The expectations <laughs> here, and you also mentioned Jared Cook. I have been trying – 
my hardest on the air and with everybody to tamp down the expectations for Jared Cook because this is a guy who's never eclipsed 900 yards receiving. He's never had more than eight touchdowns in his career. He's now 32 years old. I like the fit here. I do. I think he's a good tight end. I just see people trying, in my mind, make him out to be something that he's not. And that's a Jimmy Graham, Gronk type of guy, you know, just because, well, he's never had a Hall of Fame quarterback throwing the ball to him. Am I off base there? Could, could this be some spectacular year for Cooks, uh, Cook, rather, or is, is the expectations being a little overblown? Well, I like the potential. I, I'll use the word potential. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't get too crazy in training camp early on because how many guys have we seen you know, who have played well? And I'm not going to compare Jared Cook to Adrian Arrington, but we saw Arrington just light it up for how many preseasons, and then when the lights came on, you know, he just couldn't do the same things. But the thing about Jared Cook is, you know, Jimmy Graham hasn't been the same player since he left New Orleans. And Ben Watson was a solid pro, but never put up the numbers he did in New Orleans. And Jared Cook, to me, has the potential to be better than both of those guys, I believe, uh, given the fact that he's going to play with the quarterback. You know, he's never played with a guy like that. And that's why, to me, going back to the wide receiver position, they're going to get Michael Thomas in there. But if they can get a guy like uh, Traquan Smith to step up and Ted Gaines can be healthy, that's going to make Jared Cook even more dangerous. So, I think the potential is there, and I'm excited about it based on you look at the track record with Sean Payton and Drew Brees and tight ends and what they've done in New Orleans compared to what they've done other places. Now, we've seen what Jared Cook's done other places. Now he's here. I'm excited about that, but, yeah, I don't want to get too excited right now. Yeah, I also like the potential of Traquan Smith you just mentioned. I thought he had a decent rookie year. There were some struggles, but I don't think there's any reason to believe he's going to be some kind of bust, Mike. No, no, no. I, and I, I like what Colton said, and, and I liked what he did early on. And uh, I'll never forget when he caught that touchdown pass uh, where Drew Brees broke Peyton Manning's record. Um, you know, he was just so excited to score. He forgot about saving the football there for a while. He, he to me, has a great attitude. I know uh, he's popular in that locker room. And I think like a lot of rookies, you know, when, you, when you're not used to playing that many games and he got hurt towards the end of the year where we saw the Keith Kirkwoods and, you know, a lot of those undrafted guys step up. I think he learned from that. Maybe, you know, in terms of training, in terms of, you know, it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint in the NFL. All those rookies have to make adjustments. But we saw when he was on and when he was healthy what he could do. And I think he could, t- could continue to do that. But I think he's really one of the keys because, you know, Emmanuel Butler looks great in training camp um, so far anyway. It's been a couple practices. Uh, but, but I think Traquan Smith, they drafted him that high for a reason. And I think, as I mentioned, when he was on last year, uh, he showed what he could do. He's Mike Neighbors at Mike Neighbors on Twitter. Covers the Saints and NFL for CST. And Mike, I know you're still doing that podcast. Been there, done that. Where can you get that? It's on all the platforms. It's on iTunes. It's on Podbean. It's on Stitcher, Spotify. We're excited about it. We, uh, myself and Scott Shanley, we started in February, and we have a big guest every week. We've had a lot of former players from Marcus Colston to Roman Harper, but we had Archie Manning on last week. It was really funny for a half hour. And I say funny because he told so many great stories about his sons. Uh, The one that really stood out for me was, and he told us, I saw him at SEC Media Days, where uh, his wife Olivia was pregnant with Eli. And he was at SEC Media Days with Steve Spurrier and Herschel Walker. And he told me when uh, Eli, his wife was pregnant with Eli, it was a couple weeks away, he took Cooper and Peyton to the Sugar Bowl back in 1981. And Herschel Walker was lighting it up for Georgia. And Archie Manning told us uh, when he got home, Cooper proclaimed to the whole family, hey, Mom, I think we should name the kid Archie, I mean, Herschel Walker Manning. That should be the name. <laughs> that's so great. just stories like that. And that's just a glimpse of what we do. I mean, 
we have, you know, every, you know, from, from Roman Harper to well, recently we had Cam Jordan and Teron Armstead and, and Will Lutz, and they're just talking about stories maybe behind the curtain that you haven't heard before. Yeah, I'm just thinking Herschel Walker Manning to David Tyree <laughs> in the Super Bowl has, has an interesting ring to it, Mike. <laughs> it does. I like that. I don't think the, I don't think Olivia Manning liked that, but Cooper Manning was all on board with that. <laughs> Mike Neighbors, you can at Mike Neighbors on Twitter. Mike, I always appreciate the chats. We'll do it again. Thanks so much. All right, we'll talk soon. I enjoyed it. All right, we'll take a break. It's your show now, rest of the hour. Phone lines are open, area code 504-260-1870. Let's talk some Saints camp, y'all. It's hot and heavy, pads on for a couple of days. About a week and and change away from the first preseason game. 504-260-1870, our text line, 870-870. I'm Seth Dunlap, Ron and Logan, our producers behind the glass tonight. It's the last lap on WWL. Against today's player of the day, Eric McCoy, who's going places? Eric McCoy, brought to you by Toyota dealers. Let's go places. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll, should the Saints look to sign or trade for a veteran wide receiver? And, of course, we're asking that because Cameron Meredith was released today. So one less veteran on this roster just never got healthy enough. Now it's a bunch of young guys competing for one, maybe two roster spots. Should they look to sign or trade for a veteran receiver? And... Um, guys, go ahead and edit the poll. I really want a yes or no on this instead of a sign or trade. I just kind of want to know if fans think that they like the, the the current core they have out at camp or you'd like to see them make a move to bring somebody in here. Do you have your tickets for training camp out at Saints? Well, there are some tickets still available for tomorrow's practice from 8.50 a.m. to 11.40 a.m. And the next Sunday's practice in pads at Tulane Stadium from 7 to 9 p.m. That's this week. And the following week on August 12th. Those are the three days you have left. So tomorrow, Sunday, and then August 12th. And those tickets are free. And you can make a day of it with your family. Uh, you can check it out at uh, saints.com. Remember, they have these really nice bleachers, cover seating, misters, everything out there. It's pretty cool. Here's a text at 878-70. Uh, thank you, but I forgot about the Bears. Thank you for answering my question. Now, who would be in the NFC's championship game, in your opinion? I know it's a long season and it's early, but Seattle, Chicago, Atlanta, the Saints, do you think that they are all in the playoffs? Thanks, man. Um, I... Seattle, right now, I've released my NFL Power 12, my training camp Power 12 last week on the show, and I had Seattle on the outside looking in. I think Seattle's going to be good. They're going to be as good on paper as they were last year, if not better, especially with the young guys that they have, Russell Wilson now kind of entering the, the real prime of his career. No, they're going to be good in the NFC, though. I don't know if they're good enough to make a playoff run. NFC Championship, two best teams in the NFC. If I had to tell you right now, if I had to make that Pick right now. Put a gun to that proverbial gun to my head. I'm saying the Saints, and then I'm probably saying Philadelphia. And that is only because I think Philadelphia wins the NFC East. And Atlanta, who I'm really high on, they'd have to go the wild card route, which is really hard. I like Atlanta a lot. Like I said, I think they're one of the main, if not the main challenger to the Saints in the NFC. But when you're talking about a team that might get a bye to a team that might have to go on the road three straight weeks and come out of the wild card, there's a difference there. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll hear a little from Sean Payton out at camp today. He spoke after practice about the Cam Meredith release and other stuff that's coming up here on the last lap. There was some signs that Alfred Morris might be coming to visit with the Saints as they look to add a veteran running back. Remember Theo Riddick, the ex-Detroit Lion, he visited yesterday. Well, apparently it's not happening. As Todd Archer reports, according to Twitter, at Todd Archer, that he is going to sign with the Dallas Cowboys as Ezekiel Elliott's holdout now reaches four days. So no Alfred Morris 
the ex-Washington running back uh, here in New Orleans. Sean Payton was at the podium today. Of course, we try to play a little bit of Sean for you each and every show. Today's Saints training camp interviews and cuts are brought to you by the sound breaking of First American Bank, a banking tradition since 1910. Here's Sean. Saints coach Sean Payton out at camp today. We continue. That was Saints coach Sean Payton out at camp today. If you want to listen and watch to uh, Sean's full post-practice press conference, you can log on to our Facebook page, WWL Radio Facebook page. We also have it at WWL.com. Next hour, it's a great hour for you. I really mean that. I know I do my best Conan O'Brien impression on here sometimes. Everything's a great show, but this really is great. We've got Ryan Nielsen, Saints defensive line coach. I'm going to have a little Zach Streif, one-on-one with him, talking offensive line play, and Ricardo Lacompte of WWL-TV Channel 4 joins the program. And we got to talk a little about LSU AD Scott Woodward saying, well, the athletic department cannot sustain sending money to academics. Right now, though, Facebook Live, we talk about running backs and wide receivers and who the Saints might bring in. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.